Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello and welcome back to the Security Token Show, episode 57. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, and joined with me is Herwig Konings. And today we're going to be getting into blockchains and decentralized exchanges. But before we do, Herwig will be covering last week's industry news updates. I'm going to give you the latest in security token offering and market updates. And then we're going to get into our juicy main topic. Yeah, we've got another great show lined up for you today. Don't forget, though, that we do lead off every episode with our favorite topic. That's our companies of the week, if you will. And Kyle and I choose our winner based on the biggest movers and shakers that have been happening. And, of course, want to give them that special spotlight and a full breakdown of what they're up to. So, Kyle, tell us, who did you pick for episode 57? This week, I've got to give my company of the week award to Akimona, the first smart contract based fundraising portal to receive full SEC approval to conduct Reg CF offerings. As you may know, in order to provide a platform for businesses to raise money here in the US, you must be approved first from the regulators. And so Akimona caught my eye not only because they were approved for a Reg CF crowdfunding platform, but they specifically are focused on blockchain and security tokens for their platform. Brady Matthews, who's the chief technology officer for Akimona, was quoted in the announcement post saying, quote, Akimona meets this challenge by introducing a pledge, which is a software that represents investment commitments as well as digital securities. Underlying the A-Pledge platform is a smart contract, which is self-executing software containing the terms of the agreement between the buyer and the seller. This transaction is executed by the smart contract and is visible on the blockchain on their decentralized blockchain network, which allows full auditability of transactions by any third party. It seems like they're fully embracing the ethos of blockchain and fully understand the technical components required for tokenization and tokenized fundraises. According to the article, Akimona will be offering and selling zero-coupon bonds as a digital securities beta, and then they'll be launching their full platform by year's end. Congratulations to the Akimona team for their regulatory approval and their innovation in working with blockchain and security tokens. That's really great. Akimona, the, the universe of regulated you know, crowdfunding portals here in the United States doesn't often grow uh, that, that much. So that's a huge feat. And like you said, you know, it looks like we'll be seeing more and more offerings by the end of the year. Very cool. Shout out to Akimona, A-K-E-M-O-N-A. But without that, Herwig, what about you? Who you got for this week? Well, listeners, I want to put the spotlight on this week on the TACE. That's the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. And not only does it have a great ring to it, I think, by the way, TACE, but they are leading the innovation charge for national stock exchanges in a big way. And I'm not even talking about the news from two episodes ago where the TACE announced plans to launch the central blockchain securities lending platform, which will provide a single national market where Israeli institutions can lend securities directly to one another, of course, completely on the blockchain. You know, that almost won my company of the week because that is a great use case. But now they really did it where they just announced last week the TACE Up. 
TASOP, I, mean, I love that, which is an electronic platform for private companies to access investments from institutional and accredited investors. So essentially, a private electronic market powered by TASE, which they say has thousands of accredited investors and will support technology and biomed companies, venture capital funds, credit funds, and REITs investing overseas. Now, there is no mention of these opportunities being tokenized or even managed on the blockchain per se, but given the fact that they are keenly aware of blockchain technology, given their previous initiative I just mentioned, this positions them well to roll out security token offerings for private Israeli issuers without needing to go public. So for TASUP, for creating a blockchain-based securities lending platform, and for leading the liquidity revolution in Israel, the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange gets my company of the week, Kyle. That's fantastic. It really goes to show that we're talking about a global phenomenon here. This is connecting international financial services businesses and helping innovation occur for investors and issuers all around the world. It's just fantastic news. It's the digitization of private markets. It's inevitable. With that, I think we can jump right into the news, Kyle. And as always, the news and updates we cover on this show are all sourced from stomarket.com slash news and are also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself or on the Security Token Show Medium blog if you ever want to dig a little deeper into any of the articles that we discuss. Yeah, check out that Medium blog because not only do we post all of the articles on our Medium blog, but we also have all of our companies of the week and a nice breakdown of all those players in the industry. So if you're trying to get involved, if you're trying to learn about who are the biggest movers and shakers, check out that Company of the Week article that compiles everyone from each month. So with that, let's get into the, the news. The biggest industry news, I think, to start off with from last week was Germany modernizing their laws to allow for security tokens to be issued more easily. So for security tokens in Germany before this, and currently actually, they rely on the Asset Investment Act, preventing them from being issued on the blockchain. Therefore, only registered bonds or participation right tokens have been issued as we've seen in the past because they do not require printed and signed global certificates in in line with that Asset Investment Act. In other words, securities in Germany require the existence of a paper certificate, a, you know, a printed and hand-signed text file. Then these are then stored in a safe at a central securities depository. How archaic. Uh, and this may, might be, you know, as we've talked about in the past where the, the CEO of New Fund was mentioning in the past where, where she said that they had to stop issuing STOs because of regulation restrictions. So, now all that might be changing as a draft law for electronic securities has been submitted by legislators allowing for what they describe as crypto securities, aka blockchain managed securities, and even potentially allowing for more CSD options, including potentially an issuer managed registry. All in all, the primary purpose of the draft bill is to remove bearer bonds from the paper-based document requirement, thus making digital securities possible. Now let's see how fast the German lawmakers push it through. And over in the U.S., there may be changes coming to the securities law if Commissioner Hester Pierce has anything to say about it. Last week, we announced she was voted in for another five-year term, which is great news. Speaking to Colin Post of Cointelegraph, she said, quote, I don't think it's a good thing that people don't have a compliant way to get from the point where they're funded and build a network to the point where they've gotten the tokens into the hands of people who want to use them. It's really important for people to have a way to get to the point where tokens are out there circulating. 
She acknowledges also that the SAF framework is really only a, a Band-Aid solution and even suggesting a safe harbor sandbox or exemption in the past as a way to allow for compliant token sales without needing to register them as a security. Still, many of her colleagues do disagree, but as she builds seniority and influence now within the SEC, we may just see her get her way yet. Meanwhile, Beijing's Municipal Bureau of Finance chief has advised that STOs, security token offerings, not ICOs, are illegal and will not be allowed in Beijing. Back in 2017, the Chinese government had banned all ICOs, if you remember, and they made an ambiguous statement to kind of remind you just how they're treating this. Quote, any new financial product or phenomenon that is not authorized under the existing legal framework, we will crush them as soon as they dare surface. Well, <laughs> seems like STOs from private issuers won't be happening anytime soon in Beijing or China. Meanwhile, though, the People Bank of China, uh, People's Bank of China is exploring central bank digital currencies already and even tokenizing bonds, as we've reported in the past. So maybe a little bit of a perplexing stance, but it's not unlike Chinese authorities to control all technologies in their country. Anyway, do not go to Beijing to do an STO. Noted. Meanwhile, the Capital Markets and Technology Association, the CMTA, which is an independent Swiss association, has successfully carried out a full-scale test using distributed ledger technology for the issuance of trading uh, issuance and trading of securities last week. So the CMTA, you know, they had some serious participants involved, and it highlights just how many parties actually need to be involved in securities transactions. Right. So let me review that for you. The banks involved were Siba Bank, Signum Bank. Uh, uh, Bank, which is in Switzerland, Hypothecar Bank, Lensenburg, and Vontabel. The banks acquired tokenized shares issued by a Geneva-based corporation, Aktiengesellschaft, I think I said that right, wow. and traded these securities both over-the-counter and on Swiss, quote, bank's digital asset trading platform. The trades were settled either in Swiss francs or with DCHF, that's Signum's CHF-pegged settlement token, and the relevant tokenized shares were recorded on the Ethereum blockchain using the CMTA 20 smart contract protocol, which is the open source code developed by the CMTA, of course, specifically designed for the tokenization of equity securities. The tokenization and custody infrastructure was provided to the different parties by Taurus Group, while Swissquote Bank provided the test trading platform. Lenzen Steihelin Law Firm advised on the issuance of the shares and the legal steps of the tokenization process. And meanwhile, to end it all up, PwC established a report documenting the transactions that were carried out. So truly awesome and institutional transaction, I think, Kyle. These are major banks doing actual tokenized trading. Just amazing and really a big win for the Swiss region as well. I'd say this particular transaction is almost as cool as the one carried out by Societe Generale with the Central Bank of Paris uh, and others as well earlier this year. Absolutely. The big institutions are coming. Whether you like it or not, there's just too much efficiency and cost savings. We're going to talk about that later, but count on more headlines like this moving forward. CMTA is proving just that great work over there. And we may see a CBDC or a digital dollar, if you will, in the U.S. after all, because the Federal Reserve has now announced a collaboration with MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, to test and evaluate a CBDC. The project is said to take several years, but hopefully they publish their findings along the way so we can all learn and see what they're thinking. 
And before we move into company announcements, I wanna end the industry segment here on DeFi. So DeFi is exciting, it's exploding, but anyone familiar with it knows the comparison to the ICO days that we've all seen. Now, lending protocols just like ICOs are launching left and right with new use cases, but little diligence behind them. As a result, scams and hacks became rampant and the space fell apart for ICOs. It's possible the same will happen with DeFi and it's already starting because I wanna highlight the YAM protocol. If you haven't heard of it, you need to hear about it. It's called YAM. You see, two weeks ago, the YAM lending protocol launched and subsequently received $500 million in staked crypto for lending. Well, the founder has now acknowledged that this was unaudited and untested, and lo and behold, a bug was found and abused, and the protocol is now worthless as hackers get away with millions. This frenzy around the YAM was actually so crazy that still another $120 million was being staked after the bug was announced. And of course, now everything in Yam and the Yam coin itself is worthless. So, you know, I'm sorry, but these levels of capital that are being thrown around here raise the eyebrows of regulators, whether you like it or not. Uh, so, you know, even if you think this is a thoughtful experiment, you know, the people behind Yam have created a lot of financial suffering. This is gonna have consequences. It's, it's sad kind of almost to see more of the crypto industry not cry out about this. Almost seemingly feels like everyone is already accepting that this is the next ICO wave and that it'll eventually disappear. That's kind of sad. That's why we're locked in on security tokens. You're not getting rid of us. Now that's for sure. And I, in fact, I want to reinforce that just a little bit more. You know, there's just another, like another DeFi project I stumbled upon. It's called Neutrino USD. Just, it's just an article. Claims to be the first USD peg stablecoin using the Waze blockchain. It'll offer staking returns with a return of 8 to 15% APR. Staking the US dollar doesn't yield 15% APR. And it doesn't explain in any which way how they are even gonna be doing this. So please, just my point being here is, folks, do your research, do your due diligence when it comes to any tokens, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's DeFi, whether it's a security token. You know, always make sure you find out what you're investing in. Let's get into those company announcements. Let's get back on track here. We're gonna start off with an investment into Black Manta Capital Partners. The total amount is undisclosed, but the two investors can be seen as strategic. The first is Cosimo Ventures, which is a venture capital fund that is tokenized. And on the other firm is Soar's Digital Assets, which is a global tokenization advisory firm with offices in Hong Kong, Ireland, and Paris. So this is all in line with Black Manta Capital's vision of connecting European and Asian capital markets. So congratulations to the Black Manta team for their investment there. It's, I'm always glad to see infrastructure companies raising money. Next, we have an announcement from BitUda, which is now the newest FINRA registered broker dealer to support security tokens. So CEO Tim Kelly says, quote, at BitUda, we envision a future where currencies, equity, debt, and alternative assets are blockchain native. The launch of our digital private placement division marks the first step in contributing to this transition. And now, of course, Kyle and I can't wait to see which offerings they start to get involved in. Welcome to the industry, BitUda. The last and last week, of course, uh, crypto custodian Anchorage announced that they will provide direct custodial support for two token soft uh, security tokens. The first one is, of course, Arca Funds' Arc Coins, 
and INX's upcoming token from their IPO will also be supported. Presumably, this also means that Anchorage will be able to easily support future TokenSoft issued security tokens as well. It's always great to see more and more custody options come about. You know, we highlighted actually the benefits of self-custody for security tokens on episode 55 two weeks ago. So go check that out if you understand why these custody partnerships are so important for both investors and the industry. And actually on that note, another custody partnership was created last week, this time with DistiChain and the SecDex, which is one of the two digital securities exchanges located in the Seychelles. That's a small island off of the east coast of Africa, for those of you who don't know. The partnership will allow DistiChain empowered marketplaces to deliver digital custody and transaction settlement solutions in real time from within the platform, also leveraging the payment services by the, the SecDex as well. So DistiChain is, is a trade uh, finance platform out of Dubai, if you've never heard of them. And we also had a custody update for Spice VC as well, where the tokenized venture fund tapped Coinbase for custody support. This marks now the second security token to be supported by Coinbase custody, blockchain capital's BCAP being the first. This shouldn't really come off as a surprise as Spice VC was also founded by the founder of Securitize, which Spice VC is hosted on and Coinbase is also invested in. So similar to the anchor situation though, it may point to signs that future support of more security tokens issued by Securitize will be for Coinbase custody. We've also heard rumors they may be trying to get some licenses, so look out for potentially a liquidity solution from them in the future. We hope to at least announce something. That would be great. And speaking of them, actually, they did make a pretty big announcement last week from our point of view uh, regarding lending. The crypto exchange will be rolling out a lending platform for U.S. customers that own Bitcoin allowing for up to 30% collateralization. As DeFi picks up and crypto lending or borrowing becomes more familiar, seems like Coinbase is now positioning itself to become one of the biggest players in this space yet. Still, it's not live, so we'll update you when it is. And moving into some resources that came out, I'll first start off with a quick shout out to Omar Faridu, who featured Kyle here on Crowdfund Insider to talk about security tokens and some of the market updates. It's always great to spread the gospel of security tokens. Great job there, Kyle, as well. And another great educator in the space is Alex Nascimento. He's a professor at UCLA's blockchain department and also the managing partner at 7CC, which is an investment company focused on blockchain. He first made waves on the scene when he published the STO Revolution, which you can go buy on Amazon. It's a great guide to STOs. And now he's got an interview on Hacker Noon where he shares more on his thoughts, including trends and challenges for security tokens. It's definitely worth a read if you want to get to know Alex better. And that's all the news from last week. Kyle, shall we jump to the upcoming events? Let's dig into them. Unfortunately, there's no new ones if you're a returning listener, but we wanted to cover a couple of the events that are coming up this upcoming week or next. The first one is the Red Swan Digital Deals Seminar, and this is with Red Swan, who partnered with Polymath to tokenize $2.5 billion in real estate assets in its portfolio. And so they've been conducting pitch presentations about various properties in their tokenization pipeline. So this time they're covering a residential property in Oakland. It's going to be featuring the CEO of Red Swan's CRE Marketplace. And it's also going to include Michael E. Johnson from Urban Core Development. So it's going to be a great opportunity, I think, to learn more about tokenized real estate and to hear it from some industry professionals and their view on where the tokenization space is headed. That's August 21st at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. You're going to also have a live feed and a Q&A. So if you have any of those burning questions for real estate professionals, this is the one to go to. The second one we got today is the Secure Infrastructure for Digital Assets panel, which is hosted by the Disrupt Network on Tuesday, August 25th. So that's next week from 9 a.m. 
to 10 a.m. Eastern time. That's going to feature executives all across Europe from the Frankfurt School of Business, Blockchain Center, Medico, Custodigit, Curve, and GK8. Finally, we have the Security Tokens Realized event that is also on August 25th, covering how many trillions of dollars of assets will be digitized by 2025. It's going to focus on how these assets could eventually become the new norm in reputable ecosystems and the role of established exchanges, platforms, and legal firms in the space. The panelists are still to be announced, but it should be an exciting event. Security Tokens Realized always does a good job. Talking about security token updates, though, as we move past our events, we're talking about Nexo. And Nexo distributed over $6 million in dividends to token holders. So if you don't know Nexo, they're a cryptocurrency exchange and DeFi platform that has conducted a security token offering back in 2018, and they've now announced a dividend payment. So the firm raised about $7 million via a Reg D offering here in the U.S. in 2018, according to public documents filed to the SEC. Their security token, Nexo, N-E-X-O, was issued in 2018 and now seems to be trading on a variety of cryptocurrency exchanges, with Huobi leading in trading volume for the token. These exchanges may be acting as unregistered securities exchanges, since we do know here in the U.S. that many countries worldwide, and, and many countries worldwide, excuse me, that you do need to have proper licensing to trade securities. I'm definitely not a lawyer, and potentially these exchanges may be restricting investor access, and maybe they feel comfortable that they are compliant with their local reg regulations. But I can say for sure that U.S. investors definitely beware and do your own research. Regardless of where it's trading though, it is a really big accomplishment for Nexo to issue another dividend. According to the press release, this is the company's third annual dividend and the largest to date, distributing, as I said, a total of 6.1 million US dollars to eligible Nexo token holders. That actually brings their total dividends to date to almost 10 million, we're about, about 9.5 million in total, with their first payment being about 900K in 2018, and last year's being 2.4 million. The dividend for shareholders does represent 30% of net profits, so it shows impressive growth over the last few years of operations. But I was able to also find that the company took a $2.4 million loan from a separate DeFi lending protocol, and that loan that they've taken has doubled in value. So not only is business succeeding, but they're also taking full advantage of decentralized lending to scale their operations. I know that's a lot to unpack here, but the end result is nothing but great news for Nexo, who has been very successful. Talking about another new STO, this is not necessarily an update, but a new STO from Realty. Realty has sold out their, their newest property. This time we're talking about 10616 McKinney Street in Detroit. The company has confirmed the property was sold out in less than 24 hours, selling 1,300 tokens at a property value of $65,000. Realty's model is to have a much smaller token supply than what we've seen from other security tokens, and this does let them offer a much higher dividend rate to each individual token holder. The property will be paying out an estimated 11.5% dividend on the rental income of the property, on top of, of course, the equity appreciation of the underlying asset. So all in all, this time, all of their properties are live on Uniswap and they're based in Detroit, but I do have to note that their first property in Florida is officially listed on their site and is currently fundraising. So you can go check out that one and many of their other live offerings on realty.co. They now have 20 properties for viewing on their website. Some are raising, some have sold out, and you can find the trading ones on stomarket.com. 
Moving into the market update, the first off for the update this week, I wanted to plug my newest article that we published on our Medium blog where I broke down a few of my key observations from our recently published July market report. So I covered Overstock and T0 and how they've had crazy growth the arbitrage opportunities in the security token space, tokenized funds and their NAV structure and pricing analysis, and then finally, the booming real estate sector. So if you like to hear my thoughts on this podcast, you may enjoy reading them in a longer form blog post. And if that's the case, you can go check it out on Medium. We also saw some great coverage of T-Zero's performance in a Brave New Coin article written by Aditya Das, who echoed much of the same sentiment that we've covered in our market reports and here on the show. No matter which way you break it down, it's clear to see that T-Zero is crushing it. And then moving into the secondary market, our market cap of security tokens, people, it surged past 600 million. We were at 480 last week. We're up 25% and just this week after being up 25%, like I think the last 10 weeks in a row, it seems like. T0, their tokenized shares and overstock headline this week yet again with T0's token actually stealing the show. The T-Zero token was up 70% this week, reaching past $8 for the first time since the token originally listed on the ATS on January 25th, 2019. It's hitting its highest price in 18 months and for the first time ever, it actually closed above the $8 mark on a day of trading. On top of the crazy price increase, the token is seeing insane trading volume with over a million dollars in volume over the last 24 hours for both T0 and Overstock. They actually totaled almost 3 million on Monday. The trading volumes are also skyrocketing, which only correlates to higher dividend distributions for token holders, which is very exciting stuff. And we're going to see a seventh consecutive month of record high market caps and trading volumes for the month of August. Other than that, there really wasn't a whole lot of action from the secondary markets. You know, a lot of the tokens on, on open finance are, are kind of illiquid and real estate saw some trading, but a point increase or decrease here or there, nothing in the grand scheme of things that's really worth talking about. And with that, Herwig, I think it's time to, to transition. It's been quite a, quite a week of trading, huh? I mean, wow. I can't skip past that, though. It feels like we went from below $100 million to $600 million overnight. It's, it's incredible. I mean, T-Zero has just proven right now, I think, that there is real demand and trading volume behind digital securities. It's, it's honestly awesome to see. Yeah, it's really exciting. I, I wasn't expecting to say this so early, Herwig, but the road to $1 billion has actually begun. At this current growth rate, we should see, be at a billion dollars in market cap before the end of the year, even without listing any additional assets. So if you factor in the hundreds of millions that are in the pipeline from all these issuance platforms and exchanges, we could even see close to two billion before year's end. But enough about trading. I think it's time to dig into the main topic. So last week for the main topic, we talked about non-blockchain-based exchanges and why they are different and why predominantly most security tokens will trade their first for the time being. So T0, Archax, Merge, and many others that were well-known in the space, they're all non-blockchain-based exchanges. And as we discussed, Kyle, leveraging a fully blockchain-based exchange is not exactly easy to do given today's environment where regulations around securities. Still, they are possible and inevitable for that matter. So let's take today's episode to discuss some of those benefits of a fully blockchain-based exchange. And to clarify, we aren't talking about using blockchain for existing exchanges like for the NASDAQ or like the Australian Stock Exchange. We are talking about, you know, we talked about that in episode 16, by the way, of the show, if you're interested in that. 
Yeah, exactly. In fact, if you didn't know, you can just listen to any of our main topic segments exclusively on YouTube to get a, a little rundown of the main topic without having to dive in to the industry news from you know six or 12 months ago. Uh, but let's get right into it. Blockchain-based exchanges are truly the future. And these are, as you said, Herwig, originated blockchain exchanges. These are, are exchanges built for the blockchain. And so I think the best place to start is to focus on what an exchange does best, which is trading, clearing, and settlement. Absolutely. From a financial services perspective, right? Trading and settlement does seem to be the, the biggest thing, let's say, that's going to be disrupted by smart contracts and blockchain. The current process to officially record a transaction of security requires way too many different third parties, sometimes up to 40 different people. So in order for our listeners to, I think, really understand why this is better first, maybe Kyle, you should break down that trading life cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So first, a trade is registered, you know, an investor goes to a brokerage platform to buy or sell a security. So they register the security from a broker like TD Ameritrade, Robinhood, or even T0. So at that time, the broker sends the trade to the exchange for the transaction to occur. They must also inform the transfer agent of the transfer who then reports the information to a centralized record keeping party, which is then recorded and stored on the behalf of the brokers. In addition, there are other pieces I haven't mentioned that verify compliance, regulatory requirements, banking intermediaries, financial services companies, and other pieces that handle the custody of assets and information, as well as many other pieces that may fly under the radar. The reason that so many of these middlemen are required is because the information that each stores is proprietary. The financial sector is so competitive that none of these firms want to work with each other at risk of losing a competitive position in the market. Therefore, they'd rather work with an independent third party and then pass those costs on to the customer in the form of commission fees, liquidity requirements, bid-ask spreads, wait times on clearing, and more. Yeah, and on top of that, strict regulation requirements force many par parties even to have licenses that are either expensive, contradictory to their business practices. This creates a lot of unnecessary layers of complexity and even redundancy. Data privacy is, of course, incredibly important, but at the same time, you probably don't need five different firms verifying the same information, especially when each one is taking their own fee. People generally hate fees, so this also explains why it can take such a long period of time for you to get access to your funds or to see a transaction clear. In this three to five day clearing period, your bank essentially has an interest-free loan from you to do whatever they want with it. This interest-free loan is known as the float and is a great source of capital for banks everywhere. It's also totally unfair to customers, but due to the convoluted nature of these processes, there's no real way to combat this solution until blockchain technology flipped the industry on its head. Now, of course, with security tokens, right, we see compliance be directly programmed into the smart contracts, which, you know, verify wallet access prior to the transaction. And that way, you know, automation can very much uh, be built in around regulation, which removes a lot of those manual requirements that traditional parties third parties usually handle, right? So additionally, the data isn't stored or collected anywhere. So investors don't have their data mined and sold like what we've seen even from firms like Robinhood. We, you know, this seems like not a good business practice on how to be making money. There are many more benefits for blockchain-based exchanges too. Like Herwig, I know we've talked about this before. What's the most interesting thing for security token exchanges leveraging blockchain that, that interests you? 
Well, uh, you know, like two weeks ago, we discussed self-custody. Uh, and, you know, you can only really take full true advantage of that when the exchanges themselves are also powered by the blockchain. So more and more, we're seeing situations now where exchanges can support custody from a regulatory point of view because of the security of the blockchain, aka sending my tokens to a NASDAQ wallet instead of having Fidelity manage it, right? So not to mention all the redundancies removed, such as the transfer agents and cash custodians and all other types of custodians that need to get involved in the first place. So with all the securities being on the blockchain, these financial services don't need an acting custodian. They only need a technology provider. And of course, that means taking my securities and sending them to different exchanges or not needing to do that at all because the exchange is, let's say, plugged into a partner that can support the trade completely and entirely programmatically between both of those parties because, of course, it's all on the blockchain. And of course, there are other amazing things that can happen now as a result of the blockchain. Payments is another one that's really fascinating to me. So we talked about automatic dividends and such before, but, but what do you really mean from an exchange context? Well, so we've already seen the context, of course, as you said, from an issuer perspective, right? They can automatically now distribute payments like royalties, dividends, coupons, you name it, to all their shareholders instantly. Even cooler, the wallets, aka the investors, can set to choose a certain type of payout like USDC or Bitcoin or more of the same token. This is exactly where a blockchain-based exchange can come in and supercharge this. You know, for example, using assets on its own exchange, the exchange can enable payment in other securities or automatically reinvest them into a portfolio of securities. This actually leads to what I see as entirely new fund strategies, investment instruments, and you know, the more assets that are on the blockchain, the more that this can be taken advantage of. In fact, I think this is what leads to what we'll start calling programmatic liquidity. Yeah, that's another interesting concept for blockchain and smart contract-based exchanges. So, you know, this idea of programmatic and decentralized liquidity. For small exchanges, both in traditional and in the blockchain world, providing liquidity for trading assets is the number one goal, but also one of the most difficult things to provide. In traditional sectors, we see market-making firms which specialize in providing the dynamics required to fill demand without ruining an asset's price. And then you see exchanges like Uniswap circumventing these difficulties by incentivizing peer-to-peer market-making by leveraging a concept called liquidity pools. Yeah, so liquidity is obviously, it's a challenging concept. We will absolutely need to break that down in, in a future episode. But the idea here is that these smaller platforms can incentivize asset holders to stake their assets as well as dollars in a specific trading pair to provide the same liquidity as a larger market maker might, which essentially results in programmatic liquidity for certain assets. In both cases, the exchange has a supply of asset and cash to provide for interested buyers and sellers which helps prevent slippage thanks to the instant trading in the background known as atomic swaps, which we also cover in episode 41. The programmatic part ties into defining the price algorithm for a specific asset. These decentralized exchanges don't have an order book of sell and buy orders. Instead, they programmatically change the price of the asset based on how much supply is in the liquidity pool. And again, the supply here being both the supply of the asset as well as the supply of cash. In this way, they can have full price transparency as an investor can very easily calculate their price per asset if they're trying to buy or sell. Okay, so 
if you're following along here, it should make sense then that as you try to increase the supply of the asset by selling it to the pool, you'll be drawing a lot of cash from the function and when increasing the supply, you'll decrease the price per unit sold. In the same way, you'd increase the price per unit bought as the supply decreases, right? So this concept is known as slippage, which is what Kyle was referring to, and it is observed in both programmatic pricing as well as standard order book transactions. It's basically an economic law. Supply and demand, right? As supply of an asset decreases, the price will increase, and as the supply increases, then the price would decrease. However, with a decentralized exchange, much of the cost of managing the liquidity is eliminated because before, market makers would take percentages of the transaction, as well as upfront fees, bid-ask spread commissions, and other things. In the decentralized model, stakers are rewarded for providing liquidity on a volume basis, but there aren't any upfront costs or transaction fees associated. On top of that, programmatic exchanges leverage atomic swaps to power many trading pairs with just one liquidity pool, which allows the exchange to capitalize on scale as opposed to needing to find a market maker for each individual trading pair. This is also totally preferred by traders who can now swap assets interchangeably without needing to increase spreads for less liquid pairs. Absolutely right, Kyle. And hopefully you wonderful listeners can now see how this empowers both the investors and the users of the platform in a way that's not really possible in the centralized context, right? The reality is as much as what we talked about today isn't actually that hard to implement. Most of the compliance requirements don't often change, which makes enforcement pretty easy as long as you clearly define the rules and requirements for each investor. From there, we can build technology to provide liquidity and trade matching, and as long as it follows the same rules and standards we set for the compliance checks, we should be able to run this autonomously. Then it's really just a matter of needing to audit the code, of course, and have a centralized oversight possibly to step in just in case, you know, fringe events and things like that. Exactly. It's cheaper, faster, and fairer for everyone involved. And for those reasons, I actually think that many centralized firms will push for these developments in some context as they're going to realize that they can cut other competitors out of the process by embracing the decentralized nature. Even if we can cut the intermediaries from 5, 10, or 40 in some cases down to one or two, I still think that's a huge win for everyone. Those select firms will adapt and they're going to see a larger share of the pie and investors will see a faster and cheaper access to their investment vehicles. Removing middlemen, creating programmatic liquidity, new investment structure vehicles. We definitely covered a lot here, Kyle. I think that's fair because, of course, blockchain-based security token exchanges are freaking cool. But, uh, you know, we could probably go on and on, and that's all the time we have. So with that, fine, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude episode 57. Please leave any feedback in the comments section or reach out to us via LinkedIn or Twitter. We love engaging and having discussions about all this stuff, so never hesitate to reach out, and you can also Always join the conversation directly at stomarket.com slash news to. And just to just as a little Easter egg, if we got some people listening to now, the first person that can ask me an interesting or cool question around something on this episode is going to get a shout out in next week's episode. So definitely reach out. Let me know you liked it. Let me know you listened. And let's have a good conversation. Find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, anywhere else. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>